Once You Know, You Know, a podcast for busy women to level up their health and fitness so that they can get off the diet merry-go-round for good. This is real lessons from real women and industry professionals on how you can improve your health and fitness habits and discover just how incredible your body is and is designed to feel. I'm Lindsay Parkinson and I'll be your host. Let's get stuck into the episode. Hello, my friend. Normally, I start the podcast off by saying, welcome back to another episode of Once You Know You Know. But being the first episode of 2024, I just want to wish you a very happy new year. I hope you've got some awesome health and fitness goals that you are looking to smash this year. And hopefully, I can help you get from where you are now to where you want to be, whether that is consuming the information that I pop out on this podcast, if you're on my Monday mailing list, or if you are currently working with me, or maybe you plan on working with me, hopefully I can get you the goods so that you can achieve what you want to this year. Because this is usually one of the most motivating times of the year to get into your health and fitness, but that can look so very different for everybody. And I'm a big advocate of there is no one size fits all, but every now and again, something pops up in the health and fitness realm that gets people talking, that gets people asking lots of questions. And I'm a big advocate for this because asking questions is how we learn. Having a growth mindset is how we can adopt change often for the better. And if we are resistant to new ideas and things, we might be missing out on key bits of information that can really help us progress. Or sometimes it can give us some information that we know doesn't really apply to us. So I'm talking about, I've been feeling a lot of questions over the past couple of weeks about going plant-based now or vegan as well. Now, some people are saying, do you recommend it? Can I get enough protein? What should I be looking at? You know, how do I go about it? What's your opinion? Now, it I could have guessed in about 90% of these questions that these people might have watched the documentary, You Are What You Eat on Netflix. So this is a documentary that follows around some sets of identical twins. They were given two different diet types. One was given a healthy vegan diet, the other one a healthy omnivore diet. And then they put them through a series of tests and see how their body responds to different things. Now, the interesting thing about doing this on identical twins is that obviously they have the same genetics. So they're watching the way that almost the exact same body pretty much is responding to different stimuluses, aka different foods. Now, when something like this comes about, often it can promote people to eat in a certain way or maybe get people to think they can eat in a certain way. Now, I work with women whose primary aim is usually to change their body fat composition. They want to increase their body confidence and their food knowledge, and they're not necessarily sure how to get there. Now, these can be very, very personal topics. And often, if we're feeling like we've gotten to a place that we're very very uncomfortable with, we can have some sort of frustration or, you know, just different feelings around our bodies. And often that leads us into a place of maybe to adopting some restrictive measures or maybe looking for a way to, I want to use the word fix where we're at, but often these fixes, I'm putting that almost in quotation marks because you don't need to be fixed. If even if you are carrying additional body weight, there is nothing wrong with you you know, but often we don't relate that, you know, we often think, oh, there's something wrong with my body. I'm just this. We give ourselves all these horrible labels and it puts us in a really, really negative mindset. So I'm reluctant to use the word fix, but often people are looking for a solution to where they are and where they want to be. And if they feel like even the solution is somewhat very restrictive or that it's worked for someone that they know, they'll often venture down that path, even though it can be particularly uncomfortable, overly restrictive, and definitely not something they could do for a long period of time. Think about when juice cleansing or detoxing was 
a really big craze. And when we think about that, that's putting our body under some pretty significant stress, even some very uncomfortable, dare I say, shitty situations. But we would do that all in the effort to not be uncomfortable with our body image or our weight. Now, they are definitely not things that I would recommend in the course or effort to change your body composition, I take a much more sustainable approach with the women that I work with. And when people say things like, oh, you just need to be in a calorie deficit, like eat eat less and move more, it completely oversimplifies the concept because we're forgetting that there are a lot of emotions tied into the way that we may have chosen to eat or behaved. And maybe there's a lack of knowledge there, or maybe, you know, there's lack of self-confidence. There's a whole bunch of things that just go into potentially why we end up in a position where we're not feeling particularly healthy or comfortable with our body. It's not just like, oh, well, they should just eat less and move more. That's, that's not how it goes. I know that because I've worked, I've been there myself, but I've also worked with over 250 women who have been in this position before. It's a very vulnerable position to be in. But every now and again, something will come out, whether it be Atkins or keto or, you know, low carb or whatever, or even something like this documentary that sort of suggests that a restricted diet is a way to leave that uncomfortable situation. You know, oh, this is how you lose weight. Just don't eat carbohydrates. I would never promote that. Carbohydrates are essential for your body. They're essential for your brain function. So going extremely low carbohydrate, yes, while you may end up eating less calories overall, sometimes depends on the foods that you choose, you can end up with some pretty interesting things going on. I'm not going to go into that here because primarily what I want to talk about is this particular documentary and hopefully help you come to a bit more of a conclusion or define what healthy diet looks like to you. Because like I said, it's different for every single person. We are all very, very different people. We come from different backgrounds. We have different life parameters. And that's why I work with clients one-to-one. What works for the mum with kids doesn't necessarily work for the businesswoman who goes out and works for 12 hours a day, right? We have to take different strategies. I always use this analogy. I know I've done it in podcasts before where I say that, you know, two plus two equals four. So does one plus three. We're using a different formula, but we're arriving at the same result. And I think with nutrition, and health and fitness, it needs to be something similar. And that's why I take a really, really broad approach. So when I work with a client, and I'm going to encourage you to do this while we're like talking about it on this podcast, is how do you define your health? What What's important to you and what parameters do you have where you want to build around your definition of a healthy diet? Now, diet being not a restriction on what you're eating in order to lose weight, diet being the food that you habitually eat. That is always going to be my definition of diet. I know that there are a number, but for me, that's when I'm talking about diet. That's what I'm talking about. Now, when I got a lot of these questions, in particular from clients, what I sort of said to them is when you're looking at being healthy or adopting a healthy diet as a whole, what I think that is a good place to start is looking at a diet that is rich in whole foods and diversity that covers your macro and your micronutrients that supports your optimal health as well as aligns with your own personal beliefs and values. For example, if you are of a particular cultural background and maybe you don't eat a specific type of meat or maybe you know you are vegetarian, that's going to be ultimately quite important to you. So somebody suggesting that you should go on this particular diet, which includes those products, is not going to be suitable for you. We have to open it up. We don't have to be really narrow in what we're thinking. Now, when a documentary like You Are What You Eat comes out, Now, it's interesting because it does come at things from a bit of a health perspective and it does have that angle of like, this is a scientific study. And I really appreciate that. I also appreciate that 
there are some things in there that can highlight what a lot of people might not know or maybe what they're being naive to. Now, in full transparency, Romy and I both went vegan a number of years ago. We're not anymore, but it was from a similar documentary. We watched a documentary called The Game Changers, also was on Netflix, and I fell asleep in it because it was following around uh, American footballers and their efforts of going vegan and sort of how it affected their athletic performance and whatnot. And similar to this one, it did show some things in the agricultural industry in the States. They might not be dissimilar to what goes on in Australia, to be honest with you. Once I, I when I fell asleep, I woke up. And Robbie was like, so I'm pretty sure I'm not eating any animal products anymore. And I just looked at him and was like, is this a dream? I am really like, what are you saying? And then I cried, not because it was going to be hard or because I didn't support his choice, but because we've recently moved in together. I did the bulk of the cooking and he has a few intolerances at the time. It was, and he still is intolerant to gluten, dairy, onion, garlic, but there was also some nightshades in there at that particular point. And I had no idea how we were going to facilitate, facilitate this. So once I processed that, I ended up watching the parts of the documentary that I missed the following day. I found it equally as eye-opening and thought, well, you know what, if we're going to give this a go, I'm going to have to look into this a little bit more. And that could have been the start of me maybe diving into nutrition a little bit because sometimes if you watch something like this documentary or the game changes, you could be quite like shocked into certain things. And then all of a sudden you're like, well, that's okay. I'm just going to go to all of the meat-based substitutes first. So people be like, oh, well, Beyond Meat, great. And, you know, if you then look into what goes into a Beyond Meat burger, I don't necessarily think that that ticks the boxes as an everyday food. I definitely think it can provide a substitute for a meat-based food. But if you look at some of the things that they put in it, you'd be like, do I want to be eating that every day? Not if you sort of want to look at, you know, that broad term I gave you before about, you know, your diet being based on whole foods. But there are plenty of beautiful ways to get in your protein from plant-based foods, rest assure me. But that's the beauty of working with people one-to-one. Like I said, I work with vegans, I work with vegetarians, I work with people from different cultural backgrounds. And it's not my job to educate them on what my personal beliefs are. By the way, we now eat mainly a pescatarian diet. It's my job to educate them on the way that they want to eat that's going to work for them long-term, but also within a calorie deficit if their aim is to change their body composition. That way, what they're learning is going to be for the long-term, not just, oh, hey, I'm going to work and restrict myself for 12 weeks and then I'm going to pop off this program and then go back to the way that I was doing it before. Because it's the same thing that happens if you do an eight-week challenge. You might not be eating like hardly as many calories as what you were. You're only eating what is on this specific meal plan. You're training every single day. You get to the end of the eight weeks, you can't wait to be off it. And you're like, woo, I've lost all this weight. I'm going to celebrate and I don't need to lose any more weight. So I'm just going to go back to how I was eating before. And then all of a sudden people like end up back where they started because they haven't learned the strategies that get them to get sustainable results. So like, oh, better jump on another challenge, which is a really great business model, by the way, because it gets you going back and you know that it works and you're at that point of desperation. So you get back there. So when it comes to fielding a lot of questions around something like this. I think that questions are great. I love growth mindset, but I always encourage my clients to just dive in that little bit further and then say, okay, if this is something that you want to try, let's try and do this where we hit both the macro and micronutrients. I am a huge advocate for whole food eating. Even though I try and get my clients to eat in a calorie deficit, I don't put them on a meal plan or encourage them to eat processed packaged food over the real deal most of the time because there's got to be a balance. And I find that really difficult in today's society. I think it's always either one way or the other. And people are like, well, 
we're going to label you this way. You can't possibly be anything else. I like my clients to sit in the middle. And in another podcast, I have spoken about the seesaw analogy. I like people to sit right in the middle. Sometimes they're going to take a couple of steps to the left. And the left might be your more processed foods, your sometimes foods. And then I would say, look, let's just take a couple of steps back to the right. And maybe that is more of the healthier side of things, your whole foods, your fruits, your vegetables, eating things in balance. But you want to just hover around that middle of the seesaw. If you hit either end, you're probably not feeling that balanced. Now, when we're looking at you are what you eat. It was a really interesting documentary from the point of view that it was done on twins. And so as we can see, there is like a lot of information to be taken out of like how did the body respond to say vegan diet versus omnivore diet. Now, the interesting thing about this study is that at a particular point, the participants were able to choose their own food choices, which For me, I feel like it skews the data just a little bit because like I said before, if somebody is say on the vegan version of diet, but they're going to eat like your Beyond Meat, your Impossible Burgers, they're not the same types of plant-based proteins or nutrients that you're going to get out of like tofu or tempeh or, you know, edamame or quinoa. So I think that would I personally have liked this study to be done where they were given the same sort of like micro and macronutrients in both groups, but just sticking to the particular diet that they were on so that you could see how the body was going to respond to the same amount of calories, the same amount of macros and micros. And then I think that it would have had a better read. But I mean, there's obviously a number of different reasons why they want to do this way, you know, but it does sort of account. There's going to be a bit of a variable there. So at times through this documentary, it can sort of feel like there is a bit of a bias to wanting people to be plant-based or, you know, vegan because it talks about like the meat and dairy production, like climate change, deforestation, and all of these things are particularly important issues. They're also important to people, but I feel like it doesn't feel unbiased, And so what I decided to do was just take a little bit of a deep dive in. And by no means am I saying to people, don't eat that way. Absolutely not. You've got your own values and you have the power of choice. I love, love, love the power of choice. I actually have a whole module on it in my course because I think that's one of the best things about living where potentially you live, where you're listening to this, is that we do have the ability for choice. And I think that that's so amazing because there are lots of places, particularly at this you know stage in, in the world, that people don't have choice. They don't have the option to even consider how they want to eat because surviving is just the main thing. And I think that's really important to remember in that sometimes being able to choose where our values are and what we eat is very much a privilege. So, you know, taking all of that into account. So I did a little bit more of a deep dive and I wanted to see who produced this documentary or potentially who it was funded by, because sometimes that can actually skew the way that the information is presented. Now, another example of this is when we were growing up, we were, there was like a big milk program in schools. Like I was jealous because I didn't, I didn't get the free, it wasn't free milk. Your parents paid for it, but there was milk delivered. And I used to love it when like a child was away and they were on the milk delivery. And then the teacher was like, oh, well, this one can go to you. And I'd be like, yay, free milk, you know? And yes, milk does have a lot of calcium in it. No problems with people drink milk if you digest it and it feels like it's a good part of your diet, you know, and you're comfortable with the way it's produced, go for it. I'm more of an almond milk drinker myself, particularly like one, I know a few things about the dairy industry that doesn't particularly align with how I want to have things. Robbie's obviously dairy intolerant. Uh, and two, the almond milk that I have keeps me in a more of a deficit. I can spend my calories elsewhere and that feels like a better thing for me. Again, that's a very personal choice. It does not mean that that is the right thing for everybody. But 
when you sort of grow up and you realise that there was some big push by the dairy farmers to the government, they sort of put this dairy program in the schools and it had a lot to do with promoting Australian agriculture and farming. Albeit it's fine. There are some health benefits to it, but if it doesn't align with you, it doesn't. So when it comes to say, yeah, you are what you eat, let's take a quick look. So this documentary was partially funded by a tech entrepreneur. His name is, I want to say it's Kyle Vogt, but I could be pronouncing that wrong, V-O-G-T. He is a vegan and an executive director of the series. Now, he also has a company that funds and pushes animal welfare. They are really into the Ocean Preservation Society. So he's going to be presenting the information maybe potentially from his perspective. Maybe it's completely unbiased, but it's worth noting that that's what's going on there. Then the lead Stanford researcher, Christopher Gardner, he didn't receive funding for Beyond Meat for this study, but I do believe that he has received funding from them before for other things. And in this particular documentary, they do consume Beyond Meat products. So might be fair to say, or you don't want to make any assumptions, but there could be a possibility that based on the people that might be funding this or producing this or maybe funding other studies, wouldn't particularly favor if the meat cohort came out on top. I'm not saying they changed the data at the end. They probably definitely didn't because Stamped has a very great reputation. However, there probably might be certain things that could have been left out. But That's not to say that what you take away from this documentary shouldn't maybe influence or impact you from doing more research about what is right for you because diet and health looks different for everyone. For example, when I'm working with a client, I need to take into like their cultural background and preferences. Say my beautiful mum, she is like a little Irish leprechaun. I love her to pieces. She loves a potato, loves a potato. Now, if she was uh, one of my clients and she wanted to change her body composition and I said to her, no more potatoes for you, Norma. You can't have them because carbs are bad, which they're not. But a lot of people think that they are. Can't have carbs. No, no, cut out the carbs. So you're not having any more potatoes. Now she might find that really, really difficult to stick to because it's quite restrictive. And most people do struggle to stick to diets, like in any type of diet, whether it be vegetarian or vegan, because often they are too restrictive. So if I said to my mom, no more potatoes for you, she might be able to do it for a little while, but then afterwards she's going to maybe think, I really want a potato. How bad is the potato? The potato's not bad. Potato's actually really good. But the thing about removing something like that from, say, somebody who has not only a sort of like, I want to say an emotional, but potentially a cultural connection to something. Not all Irish people love potatoes, just in particular my mum might and does. We grew up with lots of potatoes. If I was to remove that from her, she might be missing some really significant meals that mean a lot to her, i.e. some Irish stew or some shepherd's pie, which might remind her of her mum. Her family also live over in Ireland and removing that side of things from somebody where they have like a bit of an emotional connection to food, I don't feel is fair or right. She's probably not going to want to do that for a long period of time. What happens if she goes to her sister's house, her sister goes Irish stew and she leaves all the potatoes at the bottom and her sister's like, what are you doing? I'm like, the potatoes make me fat. They don't. So what is best is to teach my mum, about what a suggested serving size for her might look like for that particular meal, or maybe how to incorporate a more of a balanced approach to her macros. So mum, you don't need to eat potatoes at every meal, but maybe it would be okay and advisable to have this amount of potato in your diet this frequently. Therefore, she's got a little bit more flexibility to maybe make some of the meals that she really loves that might remind her of her mum or spending time with her family or for family occasions. And she's going to be able to do that long term. And all of a sudden, it fulfills not only her like 
want to potentially maybe change her body composition, but also to feel connected to something that's important to her. So you have to take those things into account. And for some people say, you know, if you're Brazilian or Greek where they could, you know, enjoy like barbecue or lamb or something like that. If you go to a family occasion and your number one motivation for not eating meat is weight-based, then you could feel a little bit just maybe distanced from your family or it could bring up some other feelings like, oh, I just feel like my parents disappointed or something like that, especially when it's weight-based. Now, if that was not weight-based, but it was values and morals-based, like you decided not to eat meat for a values reason or a moral reason, you're actually going to be really fine to be like, oh no, I don't want to eat meat anymore for this reason. So when Robbie and I decided not to eat like red meat anymore, my parents were fine with it because I told them why. And they were like, okay, cool. That's fine. It wasn't, it didn't affect anything culturally because it wasn't motivated around losing weight. It had absolutely nothing to do with that. It was purely health-based to start with. And then we looked into a few other things and we were like, yeah, okay, that's how we feel best. And that's not for anyone else. Like I say, with people that follow the what I eat in a day videos, I always think that just because somebody is a nutritionist or a health professional, it's why I don't do what I eat in a day videos. I might present what my clients are eating in a day. That is just some inspiration. But the reason I don't do what I eat in a day videos is because what I eat in a day is relevant to me and my goals, my body type, what I'm trying to achieve, not someone else. But I know that there are a lot of people that will put out a what I eat in a day video if they're a nutritionist or whatnot. And that could be, you know, what? four or 500, 600 more calories than what a standard person needs because they have different requirements. They have different muscle mass. Maybe they exercise differently. And some people might just copy their videos and you're like, well, they're not going to get the same result. It just, it's not, not how it's going to work, but that isn't necessarily that transparent. So when something pops up like this, what I encourage you to do is ask questions, do more research. You will find where it lands right for you. Some of my clients are like, they've watched this, we've spoken about it at length and they're like, hey, I really like the idea of including more vegetarian proteins in my diet. How can I facilitate that? And I was like, great, I have a resource for you on what sort of for them, what their suggested serving sizes are, things like chickpeas or lentils or edamame, different ways that we can make that macro and micronutrient balance happen, but not from a weight perspective. That's there. That's the byproduct. It's sort of there in the background, but more from that's how they feel like their food choices align best with what they believe in themselves. So have a think about that when you're listening to what I'm talking about here and see what that lands with, you know, see if you've got any questions. I love questions. So you can always throw them my way, you know, on Fridays, I do free coach Friday. And then I want you to link that with the next topic that I'm going to talk about just because it is the start of the year. And I know people are very motivated at this time of year and they make a lot of like big promises. I don't want you to break any promises to yourself. Never, never, never. But I also want you to be realistic about what's achievable and why you're doing something. So a lot of people are like, well, I'm going to exercise every day and I'm only going to do X, Y, Z. And by this amount of time, I'm going to have lost this amount of weight. They don't know if they have a clear, concrete plan on how to do that. And then if they don't meet that, they feel like they failed or every time they step outside of their restriction or their guideline, they're like, oh, I've stuffed up. But it's not. It's all about the balance. So when it comes to your health and fitness, I want you to think this year about committing to your health and fitness like it's a friendship. Oh, does this sound woo-woo? Have I just turned a total right-hand corner here? We just went from you are what you eat to like, commit to yourself like it's your like it's a friendship. But the reason that I'm saying this is because when we have a friend, when we say that we're going to do something for them and we value them, we love them, we don't want to let them down, 
we consistently show up for them. If you don't consistently do what you say you're going to do for your friend, if you can't support them, if there's not mutual respect, if you don't have good communication, if you break promises, what happens? The friendship disintegrates. Now, the same thing can happen with your health and fitness, right? If you don't commit and you don't show up and you don't do what you say you're going to do, your health and fitness isn't going to land where you want it to. So the idea of like looking at it this way is that instead of, and you know, you can cancel your plans on a friend every couple, like sometimes life happens, we get it. But if you keep the lines of communication open, if you, you know, look at things with empathy instead of judgment, you're still going to have the friendship. So if you're looking at say like your health and fitness in this sort of way, you know, the health and fitness becomes like a valuable and enriching aspect of life. Oh, even when you show up, sometimes when you know when you've got that thing on a Friday night, you're like, I'm so tired, but I canceled on my friend last time. I really want to go home and do nothing. I'm hoping they cancel. You know that feeling? But then you go and sometimes it's absolutely brilliant. You laugh your pants off and you're like, this was so much fun. My heart is full. My cup is full. I'm so glad I decided to do that. Workouts and your health and fitness can be the exact same thing, right? Because you're like, oh, I'm so glad I turned up. Those endorphins, I feel really good. I, sh- I said that I would show up and that's making me feel great. I value this friendship. You value your health and fitness like a friendship. So, you know, trust is the foundation of any healthy friendship and trusting yourself can be the real foundation of, you know, your own health and fitness. You know, you have to be reliable and you have to be honest with yourself when it comes to these things, or you're not going to get the results that you want. If you say, yes, I decide that I'm going to eat, you know, really well, because I've defined my definition of health and I'm going to eat really, really well, but then you consistently get takeaway or don't show up, you know, you're not going to have confidence in yourself because you don't believe that you're going to say the things that you're going to do. So, you know, you want to be dependable on yourself and the plan that you've got, which is why you don't want the plan to be overly restrictive. It's overly restrictive. It's too hard to stick to and you're going to cancel too many times. All of a sudden the relationship is disintegrated and you don't believe in yourself that you can do it. Okay. So then you want to make sure that you have a little bit of empathy. Yes. Empathy involves understanding and sharing in your friend's feelings, your friend in this case being your health and fitness. There are going to be days where life is going to throw curveballs at you. You're going to get stressed. You're going to feel down. Things are going to feel pretty crap. Now, you're not to bully yourself into turning up and doing something you don't want to do. You're to have empathy towards the friendship and be like, you know what? What does this look like today? Does this just look like a little bit of meditation, maybe some yoga, or maybe I'm just going to spend my energy having a healthy meal and going to bed early? Having empathy for the relationship because it's not always going to work out. You don't always have to be on the hustle. You don't always have to be on the grind, but you do want to be supportive. And I always say compassion over judgment, right? It's going to get you so much further judging yourself. If you judge your friend, how far is the friendship going to go? They're going to be like, this is not very nice. I don't really like this. But if you're compassionate towards the circumstance, and that often comes down to, you know, empathy, communication, that kind of thing, and reliability showing up, then you're going to be able to get a whole lot further, okay? Because you're going to have an understanding. So I want you to think about not being judgmental. I want you to think about being supportive of yourself. I want you to think about coming up with a plan that is going to work long-term and being okay with the progress being a little bit slower. Friendships take time to build. I mean, every now and again, you like literally just click with someone. You're like, yes, this is going to work out great. But over the years, your bond gets strengthened and strengthened and strengthened because of your commitment, because you continually show up, because you're trustworthy, because you're reliable, because you forgive yourself or the friendship when something goes wrong. Nothing is perfect. We're humans. So that's my advice at this point of 2024, very early in. 
ask questions, be open-minded, have a growth mindset, investigate, learn new things, be empowered by your choice, and also treat your relationship with health and fitness like a friendship. That way, it's not always going to feel so one-sided. That way you're going to build trust in yourself and in your process. And if you need any help with that process, that is one of the things that I build with my clients one-to-one. We build a strategy and a process that works for you based around a lot of the things that we've spoken about in today's episode in that it is personalized. It is for you. It is not just, hey, you've got to eat this and move that. I want to take it all into account because you deserve food freedom. Just like the other women that I've worked with recently just have a lady who's just about to finish, my gosh, and she sent me the most delightful message. She's just about to finish. She's on week 11 of her program. And I said, you know, how are you going? Like your measurements are coming up a real treat. Now measurements are data collection. And I've started calling Sundays data collection day. I've stopped calling it check-in day because I don't need to check in on you on how well you're doing. I actually need to collect the data so that we know if the formula at two plus two or our one plus three is equaling four. So I've started, I've changed the name, but she sent me this message saying, uh, I said, your measurements are coming up a treat. Uh, you must be so proud of yourself. She wrote back and she said, I'm so happy. I've been amazed at how sustainable the changes feel. I can really do this for life. And I never thought that about anything I've ever tried. I almost cried. Not like cried when Robbie told me that he was going to become vegan after watching the game changes, but cried that that someone else found their confidence in their process, in their strategy, and in their they've got their food freedom. And they know that where they are now, while they've made just a significant amount of progress, it's not like, hey, I don't know what I'm doing next. It's hey, I've got a plan of what I'm doing next. I can keep doing this. This feels really good. So if you need any help and you've ever got questions, you know that I do Free Coach Friday on my socials on a Friday. You know, you can always reach out to me via DM. If you feel like you're ready to take the plunge, hi, send me a message. Now, I do only work with a small number of women at each and every time. That's because I need to support you all 100%. And I want to give you my everything. So when there's an open space, I will let you know there. We You'll be able to buy it on my website. You'll be able to register on my website. When things are closed and I have enough clients or I can only work with a certain amount of clients, you won't be able to purchase through the website, but you can always chat to me and I can tell you when you can start because there is always somebody like that beautiful woman that is finishing. Okay. So let me know anything that you need from me, any podcast topics that you want me to cover down for it. Okay. Hopefully you enjoyed this one. Let me know if you've got anything or any feedback about whether it be you are what you eat, the game changes, or if you want to share how you're going to create that beautiful friendship with your health and fitness this year, I would love to hear from you. So until next week, my friends, once you know, you know. 